Coastal Cooking Issues coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan, Rockefeller Center, New York City, joined as usual with John behind me. How you doing, John? Doing great, thanks. Yeah? How's yeah. the restaurant world treating you? Great. Got an A on the DOH review the other night, Friday night. Oh, wow. So that was well, exciting. Yeah. yeah. Happy. Congratulations. Thank you. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. 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 You know, it's like, uh, you know, well, anyway, it's like no one's ever happy with anything but an A, though. It's not like... Yeah. You know. Well, didn't get a single, literally nothing wrong with the kitchen or any of the food. Oh, nanny, nanny, nanny. So, oh, wait, yeah. so you're blaming the FOH. Typical chef yep. weasel blaming no, the front of house. It's They got one of the three things was on them. Oh, so, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so typical. I didn't think you'd become one of those guys, John. All those comps you got at the bar and you're still ragging on the FOH. All the snacks they get. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Totally you know, geez, Louise. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, got Joe Hazen rocking the panels. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm so glad everyone's here in the studio. Or yeah, majority of us. Oh, calling out the calling out the three people who aren't. I in wish the we could merge the west to the east one day. It would be amazing. Mm-hmm. It would be nice if we had uh, transporter beams. You ever read uh, Reasons and per- uh, Persons by Derek Parfit, the uh, the the thought experiment uh, philosophy book? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's about. A lot of it is about transporter beams, and they talk about transporter beams like Star Trek. And you're like, oh, that sounds great. And he's like, yeah, but what happens if they forget to dematerialize you on the one side, and then they rematerialize you on the other side, and then there's two of you, and then you go up and kill the one that didn't get dematerialized? Are you doing anything wrong? I love that idea. I, 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 I'm always perplexed with like how they're actually decoding the correct way. Like, why isn't your arm like coming out of your hip or something like that? Well, if you've watched Willy Wonka, you know Mike TV gets uh, host. You oh, know, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, back in the day, they they broke people into like bigger chunks. It was only a million pieces. He flew over your head in only a million pieces. <laughs> Which is, you know, ridiculous. Uh, all right, I don't know what coast you're on, uh, Mr. Molecules. Where are you, Jack? I'm still in D.C. Oh. Actually, two more weeks here. This week and next week, D.C. All right, so. all right, all right. And we got Nastasia Lopez in the great state of Connecticut. How's how's you doing? Good. Uh, Jack's gonna see me this weekend. Oh yeah, he's coming up to coming up to the yeah. uh, up the coast. Nice. All right. Uh, yeah. We got in Vancouver Island in the upper 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 left left. Uh, Quinn, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. Yeah, and today's special guest here to talk about her relatively new book. Relatively new? Relatively yeah, new. Yeah, this you. year. Yeah. <laughs> Mayumo, a Filipino-American uh, desserts remixed. We have uh, Abby Balingit. How you doing? Hello, I'm good. I'm yeah. happy to be here. I'm happy that you are here. You came at the, at the recommendation of uh, McNally Jackson, which is, you know, uh, one of our two favorite bookstores. Yes, yes. You know? I'm so grateful for them. I did my, like, book launch, and I had a signing there, and it was, like, the first time I'd ever signed books, and I was like... I have to make sure my signature is right. And I was like stressing out and like they were so lovely and so sweet. So Malin, thank you so much for having me. So what what uh, what'd you go for signature wise? I went with, you know what, now people can forge my signature because this uh. is what it's on my legal documents. <laughs> I'm going with uh, Abigail with a B at the end and a uh-huh. big A loop. And okay. I mean, I don't know how people do their full like first last name. Some people do like full on cursive and I think Cursive is a lost art. Yeah. I think we've forgotten how to do it. In the, uh, the they market. didn't teach my son that. He's t- 18, and he just didn't even learn it. They Gen didn't Z teach it. Yeah, they, they didn't generation. teach it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's like, what do you need to know that for? What? You know what I mean? Yeah, seriously. So yeah. How do they make signatures? They just have print? I don't know, but when was the last time? Like, all official documents are signed on a computer anyhow. It's DocuSign. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. And, you know. Uh, I, I just do the big old, do, do you carry a Sharpie with you? That's like the author trick. Oh God, yeah, it's in my bag. I think, oh, no, actually. Yeah, yeah, I, I just do, uh, I just do this one. That's it. Nice. Big D. Oh, big D. Big D. <laughs> yeah, big D. Although that was actually not my nickname. There was another guy I worked with for years whose nickname was Big D. Uh, what was his signature? I never, I don't know his signature. His signature was probably neat. He was from Long Island. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, his, his signature was probably neat. But then I also draw a little elf character, which is kind of like my oh. thing, oh. if I have the time. I don't always have the time, but that's that's my, like, logo character. Little, People need to see this. Well, yeah. hopefully you'll sign something know, in there. A little elf, yeah. That's really good. If you come get me. Also, like, uh, I have a, f- so, you know, if, if, I mean, I mispronounce everything, and I also, uh, I forget people's names, and I misspell everything. So, like, um, signing things makes me extraordinarily nervous. You can't just cross out names. You, like no, that. no, especially, <laughs> especially with, like, a fat old Sharpie, you know what I mean? So, like, uh, uh, I, always, uh, I always ask people, like, to have me write. I carry a separate piece of paper, and I write their name on the piece of paper first, and I'm like, 
like this? That's and they're like, yeah, I yeah. wish that was done for me in a lot of cases. Oh, because they, how, how do they, how do they, oh, they, they, they J-O-H-N you? Or J-H-O-N. J-H-O-N. Jahan. Jahan. I kind of like that. That's kind of a good name. Wow. Jahan. First for everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that a name anywhere? That I'm not, I'm not, I have no I don't idea. think I've ever seen a J-H-O-N. No, I don't think I have either. It sounds like it could be real. Yeah, I've seen it spelled that way more than once. Like Nordic or something? In, I don't know, something, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can't place it, I just, if I saw it, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. You know, okay. Uh, all right, so, so what are we doing, speaking, John, uh, what, are, what, are we, what are we doing? First of all, why don't you talk, if you're listening live, you can call in your questions to uh, 917-410-1507. That's 917-410-1507 here in the studio. If you are a Patreon uh, person and a live listener and why don't you tell them how to sign up and what they get. Patreon.com slash cooking issues. You get access to a bunch of cool things. Discounts with people we like to work with, including an upcoming discount with Edwards Aged Meats, which yeah. we're super excited about. Uh, the usual, you know, discount with authors' books at being sold at Kitchen Arts and Letters. Um, you know, a bunch of other great things. Dave has been posting a bunch of little private projects he's been working on Patreon. So yeah, a lot of great reasons to join. Um, yeah, patreon.com slash cooking issues. Yeah, if you want to make an overly expensive aluminum cold press juicer, join the Patreon and you can get my shopping list. Yeah. Yeah. It, that thing's almost done. But I have to say this. So, so uh, sorry, sorry, Abby, I have to mention this because like this is a huge news week for uh, Booker and Dax. We have finally launched the freaking Spins All pre-sales. It's our culinary centrifuge. You know, it's mainly for bars. Yeah. Not I mean, like, chefs use them, too. You know, John uses it. Oh. Yeah. You know, but, of course, John's a forward-looking chef. John's not like that. <laughs> you know, he's not a jamoke. You know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, anyway. So, yeah, it went on, it went on pre-sale, and uh, we're doing pretty well, right, Quinn? Yeah, we're doing really well. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, remember, folks. We only have like 130 left, right? Yeah, yeah of the original, uh, yeah, of that 500. Listen, get your order in. You got to, people. I'll say this, get your order in because like we will not probably have units left over after we tell the factory what to make. So even after we, so we're, but we need, so Abby, here's how it works. I need, we need to sell 500 to make any at all. Right. 499, the factory's like, no, thank you. Goodbye. You know what I mean? Yeah. So 500 is the number like to, to open the door. But mm -hmm. then after that 500, They'll let us make more in the initial production run, mm -hmm. right? So we can st we need five hundred, but then we still need still need you know you could put more in up until the last day that we have to put the order in, and we don't know yet what the last day we have to put the order in. But once you put the order in, after that, it's like a, you know a month and a half, two months of production, and then another month to throw it across the water. So it's like once that date hits, that's your last day to mm. pre-order and get one of this uh, batch. And we don't know when the next one's going to be. John, do we know when the next one's going to be? No. No. This could be your only opportunity could, forever. Could oh be your God. only opportunity forever if you want to spin things, which is why they're like Lay's potato chips. You got to buy like two of those suckers. Right, Stas? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even if they only make them once, they still come with great customer service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the patrons already know about this. Yeah. So by the time this episode goes out on Friday, the people listening should pre-order right away. Yeah, did that, uh, did that episode where I showed it on the Dave Chang show ever get aired? I'm stupid at looking stuff up. I don't know, whatever. Uh, it did, but there's no video. There's no video there? Then why did I do video? What the hell is this? <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, life is like getting hit with a bag of oranges. The bruising's on the inside. Um, so, uh, is next week a No Tangent Tuesday, or, or what do we got? What do we got next week? Who do we got next uh, week? I believe Quinn? so, yeah. Oh. No, 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 I believe it's No Tangent. All right, so for people that have, uh, you know, non-related non, uh, Patreon questions, we'll get you next week, and we'll do more spins all talking, and we'll save that for later. So, uh, Abby, uh, I'm supposed to, I've been told I'm supposed to abbreviate this section, but this is the section where we all talk about any interesting kind of food 
thingamajigs from the past week. Do you have anything interesting last week? Ooh, yeah. So I went to pop up at Edie's Grocer in Greenpoint, and they had a collab with Waldi Reyes, uh, who's this great Filipino chef. So it was like a Filipino-Lebanese combo, like shared communal uh, meal. And there was like a falafel lumpia, Uh like whole branzino with like like amazing rice just made with like coconut water and like nuts and like herbs and bok choy. That was so, so good. I, like, still think about that dinner. It happened, like, literally last week, and I'm like, I still miss it. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, that's, a good, that's, a good, that's a good story. Wait, yeah. uh, Jack, do you have anything? You always go to a restaurant, and you're like, I had something, but then I didn't like it more. Ow. I mean, I don't know. I, I had a, a burger on a pretzel bun last night, and uh, <laughs> I haven't had that in years. That's uh, not very interesting. Uh, but, uh, but I love it. Listen, the, pre- the pretzel buns. The pretzel buns. They're messy, but they're delicious. Next time, so you did this at home? No, no, I oh. didn't have it at home. The pretzel buns, in my opinion, that the commercially available ones, the pretzilla ones, are good. A little bit doughy. A little bit doughy. Just a little bit doughy. A mm. little bit doughy. I like... Uh, but and you have to put your own salt on it. So I usually... I, uh, I like to gild the lily. Like, I'm, you know, big at gilding lilies, so... I, uh, I like to put salt and caraway on that so that it's kind of like a pretzel halfway to a kummel, a kummel roll. Oh, see, that's, that's a smart idea. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm here for, man. I'm here for you for, like, little yeah. little smart or dumb <laughs> hacks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you, uh, Quinn or Stas? You guys got anything? Uh, I, I made four versions of my chocolate gelato. And did a taste comparison. Yeah, and was there a big difference? So, uh, well, my goal is to actually take different parameters of ing- of ingredients and end up with very similar final gelatos. So that was sort of the test. Okay, that's an odd. That's an odd. But you know, I'm there for you, Quinn. I'm there. Let us know how it works out. Well, the idea is that that. No matter what chocolate you use, yeah. you still end up with a similar result. Yeah, as long as it's Valrona. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I didn't use Valrona. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to—I'm sorry, dude. I mean, maybe in a gelato. I don't know. It depends on a gelato, but you're like, guess what? I melted down Hershey bars, and it was just as good as the one I made with Manjari. Not going to happen. You know what I mean? No, I'm using a local chocolate. Oh, all right, whatever. Well, who's the local uh, Vancouver Island chocolate? Uh, it, it may not be the island. I think it's BC. Okay. But it's called uh, Wild Mountain. Good? Really good. All right. Okay. I have not had it, so I cannot make any, any judgments. Huh? All right. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, Abby, let's talk about this book. Yeah. So, uh, on the cover of it, you have this uh, like uh, like a like a hollow hollow baked Alaska thing, mm-hmm. which does look it looks pretty it looks pretty oh, good. Thank you, thank funny. you. Uh, but a lot of what you're doing here, you you do a lot of uh, desserts with it's not the whole thing, but you do a lot of desserts with some savory stuff chucked yeah. in, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out where I want to start because I. I don't know whether I should go down. I'll ask the user questions. Users, Patreon, Patreon. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Patreon people. You're our, Respect you're me. our people. Users, what a jerk. You know why? It's because I've been uh, dealing with uh, the factory a lot with making the spins all, mm-hmm. and I have to talk about issues that users are going to have of the equipment. Yeah. And so, and that's kind of the only language that I can deal with. And so, like the people that I'm trying to serve then become. Users User instead of experience and all. Yeah, that. right, right. <laughs> so, no offense, Patreon people. Um, so, yeah. Before I go down, uh, before I go down this huge, huge rabbit hole, I'll ask their questions first. All okay. right. Uh, okay. Uh, can you discuss the uh, various, uh, um, I guess, the flavors of the different uh, vinegars from uh, uh, the Datuputi Corporation, and uh, oh. and and what dishes you would use ones uh, best? I only have the the dark one. The, uh, mm. the uh, there's a little bit of soy in that one. So uh, the su- uh, what is it? the uh, the molasses one, the Sukang mm. uh, Iloko one. That's the only mm. one I have in my house. But that one's like, great. B- too. B- by the way, my, my dad asked 
this question. Oh, okay. You're doing right. asses? Okay, this is a very deep but, cut question. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there are certain ones when I was growing up, like the ones that have like the peppers in the bottom and like onion and like everything preserved in there that kind of adds more of like spiciness. I love like the spiced uh, Datsuputi vinegars. Um, but honestly, like when you use either coconut or sugar palm, I think there's like totally different like flavor profiles there. And so, you know, the, the Filipino vinegar cabinet is kind of diverse. And I would say the only way to know is to try. And so if your dad can go to the Filipino supermarket and try it, I highly recommend that. But it's just that like sasawan, which is like condiment in Tagalog, is just like such a big part of just the everyday eating ritual where you don't want to like oversalt your food or you don't want to like you just like have things where people can customize to their palate and what they like and so that's why I have like we have fermented shrimp paste and we have the vinegar the suka and stuff so like we can add to our you know personal uh taste but is there any reason to buy their like kind of, their bog standard vinegar is pretty neutral right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah but I do say like I, I know like this is kind of just like snobbish but like I would say if you don't use Filipino vinegar, you don't use Filipino soy sauce in adobo, you can kind of taste a difference. There's something harsh about just like regular Heinz white distilled vinegar that you I don't want to recommend to anybody. Really, You know, uh, you know what I have in my pantry that you have to be super duper careful for mm. is the with is the kind of like northern European, like 25 and 30 percent vinegar. You ever use that stuff? No. It is crazy. Like in what way? Like super, super acidic? Yeah, it's oh. it's uh, so like, you know, your standard vinegar is like somewhere like around five, six percent. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, uh, four, between four and six, I would guess. Right. Mm-hmm. With vinegar. And, you know, they usually write on the bottle yeah. what the yeah. acidity is. Right. And so that's how I do my math. Right. Because I, you know, whatever. That's kind of that's my shtick. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, but a lot of times I want to add vinegar but the I need the water base to stay low so that I can I have more leeway. Mm-hmm. So I started buying this crap. Nils like Nils Norin, who I used to cook with at the French Culinary Institute. This he's like the Swedes. We only use this super high grade vinegar, mm-hmm. right? Because it's distilled. So once it's distilled, who the hell cares? So like, why am I paying for water when I want vinegar? But you have to be very careful. This thirty percent stuff is like five times as powerful as vinegar. So it's very easy just to go bloop it a bloop, uh. and then you're toast. Like. Host, you know what I mean? At that percentage, you could use a like, acetone or like nail polish remover. I mean, it's, it's getting rough. It's getting like, yeah, so I don't keep it like with my normal vinegar. Yeah. I keep it like high shelf and it's like in a weird shaped bottle. So, yeah. And I have, you want it real nasty, glacial acetic, which is like, you know, lab grade is like corrosive and you want to stay the hell away from it. Like if you drip it on like your concrete floor to like mm. etch into the concrete, it's hardcore. All right. Yeah. But you know, things have its uses. Like maybe sometimes you don't want to add water. You just want to add vinegar. That's you know? true. Anyway. The more you know. But uh, I think distilled vinegar has its place. Yeah. Just, it's just, you know, yeah. right. It's not as smooth and round or whatever. I'm mm-hmm. a, uh, mm. Okay. It's all right. <laughs> I mean, I use a lot of pure acids too in like bar and stuff to like uh, when it's not an ingredient, when it's an adjustment. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's that's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Uh, and from – how you think – so it's Wolf Greg. What do you think? Wolf Greg. What do you think? Greg. What do you, Wolf yeah, Greg. Wolf Greg. Greg. I'm not – look. I'm I'm not in an age where I can like just read <laughs> letters as numbers. Like I don't do my passwords that way. I'm like, you know, you know, whatever. All the all the A's or eights, whatever it is. That's not the way I operate, people. Okay. Uh, any suggestions uh, and describe it for people that don't know. Uh, any suggestions for making uh, otop? Is that how you pronounce it? Otop. The cookie. Oh yeah, that is one of the recipes that I did not make for the book, but I do think that's one of those like biscuits that are like Filipino. Um, and they're, they're just like, I, you know what, this is one of the things I feel stumped because I've never made it for myself before. Um, but God, I feel like so bad. I feel like, oh no, I feel I failed this person. But isn't it basically like a puff pastry that you mm-hmm. roll up, slice and smash and cook? Yeah. Yeah. It's basically, it feels like so much like, yeah, a palmier kind of situation. And so I would say like in that way, you could just like literally get puff pastry and kind of knock it out. But the biggest fear I feel like with that kind of uh, dessert is that you need to have like a glass of milk and a glass of water to wash that down because like it's like similarly like you could just like 
choke on some crumbs and die. Like, not to be, like, very morbid here on the show, but, like, so just be careful and try. I would experiment with, like, at least if you want to go down the, like, pre-made puff pastry route and see. But, Uh, yeah. For years, I resisted pre-made puff pastry. And then I was like, why? Nobody cares. Nobody, Nobody cares. cares. Yep. Uh, no. <laughs> exactly. Who's gonna Who's gonna be like lamination police? Like, yeah. okay, my bad. I didn't laminate that. Well, like, I think everyone in their life—not everyone—people who there's a category of people that I am one of, where you go through this period where you have to like do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you're like, which one of the methods am I going to use? How am I going to make the detrompe? And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, and, and then you're like, you know what? Machines do this really well. Yeah. You know, people do this really well. And then, you know, whatever. And then, you know, I used to do puff pastry because all of my onion tarts are, uh, all of my old onion tarts were not pie based. They were puff paste mm-hmm. base, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like kind of like free form puff paste based onion tarts. That used to be like my standard, like I have a party, it's onion tart time, giant pan, onions forever, caramelize them down, you know, cheese, cream, egg, maybe bacon, depending on who was there. Mm-hmm. Done. Puff paste. Done, right? Mm-hmm. Done. Good warm, good cold, good the next day. Doesn't matter. Anyway. Uh, and then I was like, yeah, I just stopped making it. I was like, F this. No. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Uh, although, I think the, in the Instagram era, people are like, they want to see how high they can puff it. So they do all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I even noticed that with biscuits. Like, people are going, like, mile high biscuits. Yeah. It has to be, like, this well, big, bigger than your face. Well, what are your, th- <laughs> what are your thoughts on a biscuit? First of all, you have very, very clear brownies. I have to say, I'm the only person I know that I like a fudgy brownie. Uh. I like a fudge. I like. Don't anyone say I don't like a fudgy brownie, but I also like a cakey brownie. And you hate a cakey brownie. I know. I'm a hater. I'm sorry. I do like the You fudge. hate it so much that you jack your temperature down to 325 and bake your brownies for a long, long time. And then, like, you know, you throw, throw, throw candies with rice paper on them. But it's like, we'll talk about your brownies. Yeah. But, like, why, why, the, why the hatred of the cake? I don't know. I just think if I want cake, I'll get cake. I don't want a cakey. Like, I feel like I associate that with dryness and Mm. I like hate a dry brownie. And I think Uh. it's just something about that, like box mix brownie that really like is naturally fudgy where I'm like, that's what I want. I think it's a nostalgia, but also like, I don't know. I've had I've had a couple bad brownies in my life. And so usually they're cakey. I don't remember. Are you are you a. A cocoa, a chocolate, or a mix person? I'm a cocoa and the chocolate added at the end to fold in. Uh-huh, so, uh-huh. cocoa, yeah. You're I, a cocoa. Are you a chocolate person? We're, we're going to have these arguments. Ooh, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm usually in the minority, but brownies was the first recipe I memorized in the 70s. And no one um, taught me how to make them. And so, like... Sometimes I would melt the butter. Uh-huh. Sometimes I would cream the butter in. Sometimes it was always butter because even though the recipe said shortening, mm. I didn't know what shortening was. Mm. And my mom said, it's like butter. I was like, mom, what's shortening? She's like, it's like butter. And so I was like, I'll use butter. You know what I mean? Like, and how so, old were you? Eight. Eight? I was a, an only child mm-hmm. and um, both my parents worked, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, I had a lot of time to You're myself. Matilda. Yeah, I had You're a lot of— making brownies yeah, yeah. on your own. Yeah, I had a lot of time to myself and an, an 8 by 8 Pyrex glass pan. And yeah. so it was like, you know, uh, yeah, that was my life. Anyway, so, like, I made them, and they never—I would alter it, so they came out differently all the time. Mm-hmm. But I developed a like for all the styles. But the early 70s recipe that I had was a uh, two ounces of Baker's brand— Unsweetened chocolate. You ever seen that one? It's oh, got that old yeah. grandma like on the German cover. Chocolate yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. it's way more expensive than it deserves to be for its quality. Yeah. Like so much more like expensive than it deserves to be for its quality. But that is the little one ounce squares of my childhood. Aww. Yeah. I don't buy it anymore though. Because now I do the math. Now I'm like, how much sugar is in this chocolate that I'm buying? Okay. And then I like do the math and I figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, you want to talk about your brownies now? Might as well. We've already talked about them. Oh, Let's, I, uh, I, I don't know how we talk from, like, well, I guess, biscuits to brownies. but Well, because, I, because you were saying that everyone, like, makes a mile-high biscuit. I asked you how you liked your biscuits, and then all I could think about was that we're going to have an argument about brownies. <laughs> I mean, I do like—I I like a, a high biscuit, but I think and whenever, whatever gets it done that's, like, flaky layers, it doesn't necessarily have to be that tall. Like, if you get the gist of it, it's like you just want a bite that's, like, okay. satisfying. Nastasia hates this conversation because she doesn't like biscuits, but <gasps> do you like brownies, Nastasia? Are you a brownie fan? Yeah, I like brownies. Oh, oh good. good. But you're a no. Everyone on the show, I believe, because we've had this conversation, everyone is a no inclusion person, right? You don't like nuts. 
No nuts. Well, that's not true. Here's you like nuts? Me. I don't mind walnuts. Walnuts? I grew up with, I don't know why my mom used to do that, but. Well, like I guess walnuts are thing. standard. I mean. Yeah. Walnuts. Yeah. Okay. Fine. You ever had Harold McGee's like magic walnuts? Come on. You ever had Harold McGee's magic walnuts? No. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my God. He has a zero tannin walnut that gets shipped to him by some sort of, like, walnut magician. And Nastasi and I, one of the times we stayed there at his house, he just put those nuts out and didn't say anything. We're like, what the hell? McGee's nuts. <laughs> They're so good. Right? Remember that, Stas? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he just walks around. Harold McGee just walks around his house. With, like, magic nuts, nuts on the out. table. Yeah, magic nuts out all the time. It's crazy. Uh, by the way, I called him about some of your recipes. We'll get into that in a minute. But um, where were we? We were in bi- uh, biscuits and brownies. So with biscuits, I've, the first question is, are you – you already said you like flaky. I think, like, there's a – it goes back and forth between mm-hmm. people who like, like, a more of a drop style, like, fluffy, and people who like a flaky. Mm-hmm. And then people are trying to, like, kind of combine those two things. But really, they're separate products. We're like, what they the are. hell, man? Yeah. So people, like, well, you could do it, and then you could put layers of flour in between the droppy stuff and make. No, listen, do a flaky, do a drop. Right, right. I don't I know. Red Lobster, like the drop biscuit we're talking oh, about. Red Lobster, man, that's like, wow, you're bringing it back. Those those people know how to overcook some fish. Oh, we can't hate them for their biscuits, though. People go. For I never like. I, I never like. I don't even remember that. I just remember, like, even as a kid, when it was the fancy place you would go out, the Red Lobster, they're like, they take a hammer to this fish or what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you never, listen, if you own a Red Lobster franchise, I'm sure you don't do it this way. Whoever is hearing my voice who owns a Red Lobster franchise. But, like, when you go Red Lobster, don't get the brook. This is why I always say, like, when you're ordering a mixed seafood platter at most places, unless you know the chef, get the fried version. Mm. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back me up on this. Fried. No, that's true. That's you, don't true. Want some, you don't want someone's, like, make sure the fish isn't undercooked. Keep broiling it. Keep broiling it. Comes out like, you know, you pick it up. Oh, speaking of fish, can I tell one quick story from this weekend? Yeah, Cause, please. So I had to, uh, I had, uh, my, my son is going to be a camp, my younger son's going to be a camp counselor this year at Connecticut, at this camp that he's been going to for a long time back when I used to have a place in Connecticut. And there's a small place called River Provisions. It's right on the Connecticut River, about 15 miles up from the mouth. And every year, shad runs up uh, the Connecticut, mm-hmm. right? It, which is, it's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a fish that runs back, you know, from the salt water back up. And you catch it, even though it doesn't eat using these spoons. It still strikes, even though it's not eating, because it's going up to do its kind of spawning thing. Mm-hmm. And they're big. And everyone eats the roe, but no one eats the meat. Because it's impossible to fillet because it's got an extra set of bones in it, but it is the most delicious. It's like a super oily, but like a like a like a super oily fish. It's like a giant almost mackerel, nice. right? And they're like this, and so and when you get it, like there's like a couple old ladies who still know how to fillet these things, and once these people die, it's gone. So you, what you do is you buy the fillets and you can grill them and they don't go dry, which made me think of it. Mm. You, you, you can grill them, but when you pick up the fillets and you go, you hold under, you push your hands underneath it and they flop apart because these, these, they take these fillet knives and they run it the long way down the fish like, like five times and like flap it out like this and remove all the bones, leaving the skin on intact. And the skin is beautiful. I'll show you guys a picture after. Please. The skin's beautiful. And then uh, it's just a great fish. But everyone only thinks about the roe. Shad roe. Oh, shad roe. Yeah, shad roe with butter and bacon and parsley. Lemon, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's good though. I mean, shad roe's good, but I prefer shad to fish. And I'm buying it, and it's the last because it's, it's been a short season this year. Mm. And the guy at the front of the store, and I literally called them. I was driving by. I was like, "You got any shad?" He's like, "Yes, we just got some shad." I was like, "Yes!" And so again, I bought it all. I was like, "How much do you have?" I'll take it all. Oh. And then so like I bought it and ate. It was delicious. And the guy at the check, I was like, "I didn't know you can eat a bait fish." I was like, "Shut your mouth." <laughs> <laughs> Shut your mouth, it's not a bait fish. Just because you don't have the skill to bone it does not make it a bait fish, my friend. Check me out. Wow. You know what I mean? Roasted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyway, they're delicious. Uh, okay, so uh, back to, uh, so that's how we got from biscuits to brownies. Biscuits, right? There's a yeah. fish detour and we got here. We're here. Yeah, we're here now. We're, we're here. Uh, what are you, flaky? Are you, wait, you didn't say. Are you flaky or are you, are you fluffy? Flaky. Flaky. Huh. 
Because huh. hmm. you, you're going anti-cakey on most of these. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I, can, I, can see the, uh, I can see the honor in both styles. Uh, although recently I have to say that, like, uh, I have a habit of reading recipes and being like, that's garbage. That doesn't make any difference. And then I try it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, mm. I'm now a butter grater. I'm now a frozen butter grater. Oh, mm. nice. Yeah. yeah. Frozen butter grating is the answer for mm. biscuits. Wow, you can't just like go in with like the little masher anymore. You gotta. Grate. No, that's what I used to do. I was like, none of this matters, and I would just like you know do it until it looked right, until it looked mm-hmm. biscuity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would do the same thing. Uh, yeah, for for. But anyway, yeah, the frozen. I now you know, my son Booker, who uses unconscionable amounts of butter, is like, uh, Dad, why do you keep this in the freezer? Shut up! It's in case I need to make biscuits. <laughs> Your reserve. Yeah. Gotta have that biscuit reserve. Uh, so let's get back to brownies for a second. Because I had written my questions on it. Well, you described the brownies. Yeah. You, yeah, you described the br- Oh, yes. MSG. MSG. Um, there's a five-spice uh, Toronas de Casoy. So Toronas de Casoy are like, uh, specifically from my parents' province, like Pampanga. It's like a specialty where it's like nougat. Um, Spanish influence there um, and it's like cashew nougat and usually wrapped in this edible wafer and it was like the fun thing to be like to fake smoke <laughs> as a kid and use it like <laughs> like a cigar but like really it's like nice and like kind of uh, crispy a little chewy and I make mine with a little bit of five spice just have a little bit of a kick and a little bit more salt and then I chop that up on top of the brownie and I stud the brownie surface with that and it's really beautiful because like the layer on top you know like I love brownies. I have that nice, shiny layer. I was going to ask you about that. Are you like, uh, do you need that, like, need that it. glassy layer on top? I need it. I, and I did so much. I, I researched a lot to figure out how to, like, achieve that every single time. And I use a combination of, like, uh, brown sugar and also powdered sugar. And I think the powdered sugar dissolves a lot better than I would say, like, any, like, regular straight-up granulated sugar. And then another, like, theory of this is, like, oh, if you mix it up with the eggs, it kind of creates, like, a meringue. Um, so that it does create some type of like beautiful, like glossy, crispy no. top layer, which so I really like. Do not serve Abby a dull surface, <laughs> no. full chocolate, cakey brownie. I You're gonna so, make her I, sad. I feel like this podcast is making sound really picky, but I'm like, no. But like, I think there's certain things we have to like stick to your guns and be like, this is what I like, and this is what I like. Doing this know? podcast is about uh, is about people achieving the goals that they want. So, like, discussing, like, your, you know, personal predilection. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Achieving yeah. a... It's interesting. I never really this th- podcast is about being picky, basically. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> being overly picky about things that are inconsequential to most people. Yeah. But that that's we care... Right, exactly. Yeah, but that we care about a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Nastasia and I used to have a motto for our company. I forget the exact motto, but basically... We were trailing edge technology, so we're that thing that's nice to have, but if it falls off the plane, you're still safe. Mm, mm, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those little wingtip things. Yeah. And you're like, oh, if that fell off the plane, then we'd be fine. Oh. That's nice to have, right? That's us, Daz, right? Yep, yeah. that's our motto, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like everything else we do, it takes a little long to set. It's not condensed into a motto. Um, but the MSG is in the batter. It's in the batter, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I never really thought about uh, powdered sugar having more sugar dissolved in it, right? Because brownies are fairly low moisture. So mm-hmm. if you use granulated sugar, it probably doesn't fully dissolve before the bakeout happens. And so it probably won't glass out the same way. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether the cornstarch in the, in the powdered sugar has any. Probably not because there's already a bunch of starch in it anyway. Yeah. Huh. All right. Uh, but the MSG, how much MSG is in it? I think it's about half a teaspoon. Um, ha- it's about a half a teaspoon of salt. For a how many stick butter recipe? Uh, there's no butter. No. Oh, there's only sorry. olive oil in olive this. Olive oil. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't memorize it. My bad. But how much olive oil? Um, I want to say, okay, I did this so recently. Maybe it's two-third cup, but I have to double check. Two-third cup. Yeah, I have to double check on that. But two-third cup. Fact check me there. So, <laughs> so it's over, it's, it's more than... So a stick of butter is 113 grams. Mm. So it's more than that. Mm-hmm. I think so. To how much flour? To oh my god. So what's with the olive oil? How do you, what, what's the what's the olive oil in it? What's that doing for I, it? Okay, so olive oil and just regular oil usually in like a brownie recipe allows for more of that chewy, fudgy uh. texture that you don't care that much about, but I do. And that's like you know whenever you do box mix brownies, again it's like an oil that you use and that uh. kind of creates the same texture. I never thought about it. Yeah, and olive oil for this, I was this is more of like the savory toned brownie that we were kind of discussing before. It's just like I want to like really hit the umami, and so MSG. 
it's not necessarily like you can taste it a lot. It's more just like the sensation, like when you bite in the brownie and then it kind of lingers where it's like this mouth-watering feel. And literally just like, I need it to like, I don't know. It's like a nice little hint and it plays well with the five spice and the salt. So what other like, uh, like what other baked goods? I mean, I, everyone at this point hopefully knows that like every baked good should have salt in it and every ice cream mix should have salt in it. Speaking mm-hmm. of which... How about the salted uh, duck egg creme anglaise? Oh, yes, yes. That was a fun one to come up with. But I think it just, yeah, it edges out the sweetness where it's not like you don't get sick of it, which I think I don't know. You don't get any textural issues getting the uh, the cooked eggs in, in, in not, you know, the salted duck eggs in with the thing or no? It's it's like it's, yeah, nice. No, it's kind of like you, it emulsifies in pretty well. And it's not like you only use the salted duck eggs. Right. So it's like, it's like half and half, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really easy. Yeah. Uh, so what else What else do you think MSG works in for baked goods? You know, I think, like, I've never used it to bump up caramel. But, like, I feel like if I were to, I, I always kind of lean into caramel as, like, a vehicle for more savory things. So, like, in the book, I use a fermented shrimp paste called bagoong. But, like, I've seen, like, soy caramel, miso caramel, every kind of caramel yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, well, salted caramel was such a huge thing. So why not, why not a little MSG? A little, why not, little, little bit. A little bit. Uh, I bet your chocolate chip cookies would be good. Mm, yeah. Oh, how do you like and your? I, how do you? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Today, well, so you can see. So, so describe for people who can't. Uh, well, okay. Well, we'll do the t- we'll do the tasting. We'll do the tasting uh, in uh, in a minute. Another uh, thing I had a question about is uh, hey, going back to the the going back to the uh, Jack's uh, love of his pretzel buns. Uh, just talk to me about dusting the tops of rolls with breadcrumbs because that seems oh. like a cool. That seems cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like just for uh, a like a traditional Filipino pan de sal, like it's always kind of like a dusting of that and a coating where it's just like, I maybe for like textual purposes, I think it's like you bite into it and then it's like just like a nice little, even the slightest of crunches, but it still adds something to it. But I don't think I've ever had pan de sal without the breadcrumbs on top. I think it's just like a very signature part of it. And so, and so for those that don't know, I read the recipe, it's like medium, it's a medium fortified milk based bread with like a medium amount of butter. It's not like brioche heavy. It's like light. It's like, it's like closer to like the recipe looks like maybe a little more butter than a standard American hamburger roll. And there's some sugar in it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you said, you said it's kind of close to the Hawaiian Right. Yeah, yeah. There's From a little bit. There's like that. Like there's a, a, a Hawaiian King's Hawaiian vibe to it. But honestly, it's just like such a yeah. It's a staple breakfast thing where it's not super super sweet right. as like King's Hawaiian would be. But like there's a little bit of sweetness. And sure. and that one you do like a dull finish. You don't want that one glossy. At no. least not in your picture. <laughs> I know, like not pro glossy pandasol. Right. But you know. So what gloss. texture of breadcrumb is that? Is that like mm. like the like a standard like Italian progresso size breadcrumb or standard? And the funny thing was like the I guess like logistics of like when you're grocery shopping for a cookbook, it's like I was running into a problem where I don't know why the plain breadcrumbs were out of stock at like Sea Town or whatever, but they only had the Italian seasoning. I was oh, like, I God. don't want the Italian seasoning breadcrumbs, but not panko, just like regular progressive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there is a period where everyone used panko. Panko is a miracle, but it's not for yeah. everything. No, yeah. It's yeah. not for everything. No. Yeah. I mean, like, you ever gone down the internet rabbit hole of watching panko videos? No. Wait, what's that? What do you mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> panko, panko is a technological marvel okay. because it's, panko is a crustless bread that's made only for, for the crumbs, and it's baked between electric plates that cause it to rise straight up into this like thing it's then par dried and shredded and so it's like very specific this like weird bread like cooked between these plates with no crust it, it re- i think i believe it's resistive heating right John? Yes. Yeah. yeah and so like you go online you're gonna do it you're gonna go down a panko hole and you're gonna be like whoa so and cool. that's why it's that's why they're texturally so different. That's why you can't mimic panko just by having larger like crumbs. western breadcrumbs. It's not mm. it's not just coarse breadcrumbs, right? And there and there are different sizes of panko, but the texture and the orientation of the of the bubbles in the crumb totally different. So it's brown completely the same like there's since there's no crust like is it just like the same tone or Uh yeah, so it's high yield in that way, right? But also like because it's cooked resistively between like the whole bread like if you look at the panko breads they're like tall. Mm-hmm. Like you think that they're baked this way but they're not. They're baked tall and the bubbles go up like this. Oh. Like almost yeah. And then um 
Yeah, they, they can shred the whole the whole thing, but that structure and the way it's baked is why it can't be easily mimicked and why you should not attempt. There are people who, like, try to make their own panko, but it's like, you know what? It's like it's just one of those things that even I am like, no thanks. No. No. It's like Pop Rocks. Uh, yeah, I tried that. <laughs> <laughs> You <laughs> you bought wait, you you set up a, a resistance heater and you try to do it no, you tried to do it in an oven. I, I just try I tried to do it in the, in the oven. That won't work. I, I, yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn, man, there's some things just you know, you know, there's some things like you know, Nastasia believes pasta is one of those things. You know that. Uh, well, I want that too. You know that is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, now, so when I was reading your book, uh, you know, people who know me know that uh, I like to I like pH shifts. Okay, okay. and um, so anytime there's alkaline cooking techniques that like that I don't understand, I'm like, wait, what? And that's what happened in the book, right? So, you know, lye water, uh, Filipino lye water, which is, I guess, similar to, because it, it, it's not coming as a powder, comes as a liquid similar to consue, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, down my little rabbit hole of uh, looking for it, like they, they have various different bases in them. I haven't been able to determine exactly what the concentration is to make your own. Mm-hmm. I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. The one that I ended up buying is sodium carbonate based and you can make your own sodium carbonate as Harold McGee said, uh, you know, in one of his New York Times things by baking baking soda, right? Mm-hmm. But I know the, I don't know the percentages. So then you have these two starch based uh Filipino uh desserts uh and I don't have your version because and I will discuss this uh we have uh the um Kuchinta. That's how you pronounce that? Yeah, yeah. The S uh, T S is. Ch- well, I'm so glad I did not try to pronounce that. <laughs> I knew. I, I heard you struggle a little bit. I was like, I'm going to save you right now. <laughs> yeah, say it again. Kuchinta. All right, but for those of you who are pronunciation jerks like me and have no knowledge or culture, it looks like it says Kuchinta. Yes, yes, you're not wrong. Yeah, but Kuchinta sounds cooler. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's something about it. Yes. Yeah, so why don't you? So, and then the other one. This is pronounced like it's written right. Peachy, peachy. peachy? Yeah, perfect. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Foghorn. <laughs> Uh, and they, they gave me this. So I bought this at a, a, a local place, local to me. I don't know whether it's any good, but the idea is that these starches are cooked with, uh, in an alkaline, with alkaline water. Mm. And it uh, affects the texture. I can tell you it affects the taste. I mean, like, I keep my, my taste mind open for alkaline stuff all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. I love pretzels because they're, you know, alkaline. I love... You know, uh, so I like to think about it. So you want to describe these two things and the lye water and what it's for, and then we can discuss that no one has written good science papers on it. That's very true. Honestly, a lot of like even Filipino cooking is so oral. That's like it just works because it works. And I was like, I have to describe this now. Um, but like kuchinta and pitchy pitchy are under the umbrella of kakanin, which are the rice cake desserts slash snacks. Um, and for kuchinta, it's kind of like the, the main flavor there is brown sugar. And then you're just mixing that with like different variations of sometimes tapioca rice flour, tapioca flour, tapioca rice flour, etc. And it has like this mochi like texture after being steamed. And that's what we usually use like coconut as a topping for. And they're like little discs. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, little brown discs. Uh, and then, yeah, you add like a bunch of fresh coconut on top. Right. They, these ones that we have here look like they were made in like a, in like a little uh, like an egg tart ramekin or something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I usually use, like little tart molds to steam them in. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and, you know, let's let's use this. Let's use a fork. We're doing some grated coconut on top. So these are like uh, I mean, they look like the color of brown sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And they look like vaguely. Yeah, they're vaguely, vaguely jelly-like. All right. the, the texture. Well, you, had, you need to try too, because oh, you need to tell me whether uh, this is a good one. Okay, there's a lot. Okay, I'm just gonna pick up mine, but you can use your fork. Okay, and, and the color sometimes for traditional kuchinta, they get like a little bit of anato to make it more. Oh, that's right. You said they cheat. 
Which, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're not using, yeah, it's not brown sugar solely that gets this color. Although you, you, you got me on that, too, because she has these amazing-looking shortbreads that are flavored with uh, freeze-dried fruit, which is a great idea. Mm-hmm. And I was like, your colors are so amazing. You're like, I cheated. I used food I know, color. I can't, I can't live with myself. I'm Catholic. I'll be, like, going to confession for, like, I'm so sorry to lie to Dave. <laughs> mm. All right, so now the reason I brought these in, even though they're, I didn't get a chance to make the recipe, right? But mm-hmm. your recipe, because there's recipes, by the way, for both of the things we're talking about in the book, so you yeah. should pick up the book. The reason I bought this is because I have no mental referent for this food. Yeah. And I don't like, and we can talk about this because it's an interesting problem, right? So sometimes if there's no referent, I'll make something anyway. But then I'm making it the way I think it tastes good, mm. which is different. And it ends up just tasting like the food that I always make right. in a different style. Whereas if it's possible, mm-hmm. I like to have someone who knows be with me and taste it and say, this is an accurate representation so that I can recalibrate how my mind thinks f- for when I make it. And then... When I make it, I can be like, oh, I'm good at this, I'm bad at this, or I want it this way or this way. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I brought this here so we could see whether or not this is an accurate representation of this product. And I'm not Mm. saying where I bought it. (laughs) Just in case. Just in case (laughs) it's not an accurate representation of the product. Um, No, this is great. This is one of my favorite things at a Filipino party, honestly. And it's accurate to, like, my childhood and eating this now. It's just a good bounce with, like, the lye water. Just make sure, like solidifies enough to get to this texture. And is that the accurate amount of alkaline taste, of lye water taste? Because for me, like, whenever I taste it, like, I know it's there because mm. I look for it. You know what I mean? But, like, I think if you didn't know... Like a blind taste test. Yeah, if you didn't know it was there, like, you know, if you didn't even know what alkaline tasted like, mm-hmm. maybe you wouldn't know that it was there. Yeah. But, like, what would the texture be like if I cooked that without the lye water? Would it be texturally different or it didn't just, wouldn't have the lye water? I think it's something where oh, I, I feel like lye water is also used for, like, ramen noodles sometimes, yeah. right? And so that also adds to the springiness and the bounciness there. Right, but that's a protein interaction. Pro- I mean, that's yeah, a yeah. interaction. Well, so the, yeah. I mean, with this, too, I feel like there's a, a similar thing where I think trying it without lye water, I remember in my test, there's just not that um, bounce back. Like, I, I, there's no other way to say except that it's, like, there's no resistance when you chew through it. Right. Like, I mean, obviously, there's, like, still, like, rice flour or tapioca flour, whatever combination of, you know, uh, you know, starch there. Well, but you would think the tapioca would give you more more bounce, right? There is some of that. There is some of that, but, like, it's just, yeah, there, it, it adds an extra oomph to that. Yeah. I know that's not, like, scientific term. Well, what's, <laughs> in, what's interesting to me is that, that this is, well— you know, you say that like the there's like a lot of the, the uh, Filipino cooking is uh, is oral, but there's also an amazing history of Filipino food scientists. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially women food scientists and botanists. And we'll talk about coconut sport in a little bit if we have. Yeah, we'll have time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was just shocked that there was no information on this. And so I called I, like I did like a full on trying to research in English. In English, there's not a lot of uh, stuff. And I called Harold McGee. I was like, Yo, Harold, you know anything about you know anything about Filipino starch-based desserts with alkaline cooking? He's like, no, there's not much on it. And he sent me, like, the only thing he could find was, um, and by the way, we can talk about this too. Like, uh, I'm... (laughs) I'm not very good at things that are trendy because I'm a butthead, and we could talk about that that later, but... uh, uh, because I never got on the grass jelly train. Did you ever get on the grass mm, jelly train? Really? I mean, that's like just like a Southeast Asian. We need gra- We love grass. Yeah, but it got, hu- <laughs> it got huge in New York like maybe like six, seven years ago. Oh, like, we're talking about when, when there was like that trend where it's like the ice. Like yeah. The, the, it's just clear and it's like, oh, it's jelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like rain, water, jelly. Well, no, but then there was, no, there was like the the black the black jelly, the grass jelly. Like oh, yeah. it, it's got hu- huge here from what everyone was talking about. It, so I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to. No, no. I don't know why. Because I'm like that. <laughs> Same thing with Ube. Like it got huge. I'm like, nope. You know what? No. And it's uh, it's a sickness that I have. It's the same way that like in when I was a kid, I didn't want to listen to the same music other people listen mm, to. It's the hipster. Yeah, yeah I was like, no. Date to I, was say like, to. I was like, hell with this. No, I'll wait until people stop caring about it, and then I will care about it deeply. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's a mental problem, and I shouldn't be that way. But I've always been that way. Um, so anyway, uh, apparently. Uh, there is a starch interaction uh, from, because, you know, there's that member of the mint family whose name I forget that they make the grass jelly out of and you have to mm. boil it for a long time in alkaline water. Mm. But that's the only paper 
that he was able to find on it. There's not a lot of, yeah, not a lot of work. I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. I can't add as much to that either, but. Yeah. So I was like, oh, what's going on here? So what do you think, John? I have no idea. Yeah, theories? No, the taste. Oh, the taste. I liked it. Yeah. Do you taste the alkaline? Not, I don't really know if I know what alkaline tastes like now that I'm trying it's, to like, it's more, it's, it. It's more, uh, you can t- tell more in the, here. Oh, sorry, this one. Yeah, okay, talk talk, talk about, one. talk about this product now. So okay, that you, you, you describe the, did I get it right? Kachinta? Kachinta, yeah. yeah. And in my book, I change it slightly with like Thai tea and that yeah, yeah, also yeah. adds the flavor and also color that's traditional with Kachinta. But the pitchy pitchy is like cassava. And also like sugar and water, and it seems like this is rolled in like some more coconut. Yeah, yours look easier to eat than this one. Yeah, this this one is it, like okay. This in to describe, it's like in blocks, and for mine, I like to do like little like uh, discs, and they're coated in coconut um, as well. But mine are like flavored with chamoy and raspberry, and so it's like a fruitier flavor, and definitely not traditional at all. But this, we're gonna see. Sometimes, also, I've noticed people love. You know, if you like salty, sweet, we've had cheese on top of this in the past in my family. But so this, for those of you who can't see, it looks this one's like looks like a lemon or pineapple curd. It, yeah, it. This is kind of like a yeah, it's like a butter yellow. Yeah, it's very interesting and like semi translucent. It's okay. when I say the reason I say uh, like a like a lemon curd is it looks like a citrus product that has that's being clouded by butter, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. none of those things. No. So what what goes in this? Literally just like cassava, uh, grated cassava. And use the frozen grated? Yeah, usually. There's not, I definitely don't like to put in the effort most of the time to like grate that cassava by hand. And so it's like, usually my mom would always have this with just regular frozen cassava. Is there, is the frozen cassava just as good as the, uh, as the grating it fresh? Like honestly, between you and me and everyone who's listening? Yeah. Uh, frozen grated is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, no. Is this accurate? Mm-hmm. All right. But it's like you'll see. Are you'll you see. are you getting more of the uh, of the yeah, of the I lye water so. on that? Yeah, it's really delicious. It's interesting. So, because this texture is so much softer, and the flavor comes and leaves faster, mm-hmm. I think you can get that. You know where that lye. Not, it's not lye, it's sodium carbonate, probably. Probably. It could be a different thing, but you can get where it is. But So this is an accurate representation of what's, of what's going on? Yeah. Of the texture? The texture is right to me. So, so, how would you describe, so, so how would you describe this texture? as? Well, it's definitely a lot less bouncy than the Kachinta, right? Yeah, a lot And less. is yours bouncier than this? Like, will it get bouncier? No, this is, this is pretty similar to mine. And I feel like this, when you put it in the fridge and everything and it just stays like this texture, um, I, I, it just kind of sucks. Okay, this is like the thing that I, I don't love about this dessert is that it gets very like all over your hands. And um, I think like I use like, no, oh, thank you. I usually use actually like, uh, what's it called? It's just like desiccated coconut as the coating because it does like allow less of like the tackiness and it just like kind of. Absor- not absorbs, I guess maybe absorbs, but it's like protects your hands. And that's not like an important thing of the flavor or anything, but it was just like something I noticed about this variation. So while you're talking about coconut, why don't you talk about the crazy variety of awesome different Filipino coconut products? Mm-hmm. There's um, nata de coco, which is like a coconut gel. And if you've ever had like lychee jelly and like a boba drink or something, that's exactly what that is kind of made from. And they just flavor it with like lychee extract probably. But it's like this like nice, satisfying, chewy, like juicy chew. Um, and I love that in like buko pandan salad and fruit salad. It's like a very much a staple of like our cold desserts and like hala halo as well. It uses nata de coco. It's also a crazy product because it's, it's uh, bacterial cellulose. Oh, yeah. that's the scientific I, term. I, I think, <laughs> well, it's like, you know, you ferment it and the, and the bacteria grows the cellulose. I think it's very similar to the hard stuff in kombucha. Oh, I think that's fascinating. I think so. I don't know. I don't never. I mean, I don't taste the stuff on top of kombucha, so I don't know. You know what I mean? But I think it's structurally similar, like a, mm. like a cellulose thing. And I've never. I've had it, but I've never had. I, I was reading that they also make it from pineapple juice. Mm. Is that good? There's like yeah, the pineapple flavored ones. That's pretty yummy. I feel like I would just like maybe stray away from it if you're trying to like have a specific. Uh, you know, like buko pandan is like very delicate coconut flavors. We right. don't want pineapple in that mix right, 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 in right. case you're a little adventurous. Who knows? But yeah. 
Um, usually it's funny, like in the Filipino grocery stores, you'll see it in like different colors sometimes. Uh Like they just like dye it with like red or with green, but like it's usually preserved in syrup and that allows it to like stay shelf stable for a while. Yeah. Talk to me about the, uh, talk to me about the, uh, the coconut sport. Oh, coconut sport, makapuno. Okay. So makapuno is like one of the, like, it's like literally when you look it up on Wikipedia, it's like a genetic mutation of coconut. So when you open up like a young coconut, it's just like pretty much like jelly-like inside. That is literally what that is. And I don't even know, like, and then because people are like, this is yummy and tasty, they start to like genetically like reproduce these things and like um, actually, I guess, like harvest this type of coconut yeah. for, for intentionally, not I, on accident. I, I, went, I went down a rabbit hole on that too. Mm-hmm. Crazy story. Tell, tell me more. Well, I mean, I know little about it, uh, you know, from a culinary standpoint, other than it's real interesting. It's like softer... It's good. I mean, you obviously like it. You use it a lot in the thing. You know what I mean? How does it taste different, by the way, when you get it in the can and syrup versus if you were able to get it, like, fresh? I've never had it fresh. I don't know who has it fresh, but I really want to try it one day. All right, so here's the story Mm. that I read. So, yeah, it's a mutation that naturally occurs in... Uh, in coconut palms, from time to time, it's recessive because the embryo of the nut can't grow. Mm. So <clears throat> there's there wasn't a way to propagate. So if you had a tree that was had the recessive gene in it, mm-hmm. and then it was fertilized by another one that was recessive, you would occasionally get these macapuno like and so the entire inside like you say is filled with this like very and so it was a huge delicacy because it was super rare and you yeah. couldn't know until you cracked open the nut whether you were going to get it or not right. so even on a tree that was recessive that was and so people would plant a bunch of these recessive ones near each other hoping to get like one but still it was only like like somewhere like between 2 and like 7 or 8% of the of the nuts would have this thing. So the price was through the roof. And it's still more expensive than regular coconut meat. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, just, and that, you buy it in jars here, and it's, like, also imported, so it's always so expensive to get. But uh, usually, traditionally, it's, like, used in tandem a lot with ube. So, it's like, ube makapuno cake is, like, very, very common of, like, a flavor. Um, and I don't know. There's something that's just, like, it's it's softer to me whenever I eat like that versus just, like, a fresh, like, even, like, coconut meat. Um, and I don't know, like there's, it's just like really nice and sweet. And I, I have it on top of like this ube makapuno lava cake in my rep, in my book. And so I don't know, it's like, it is, I would recommend anyone who hasn't had it to try it just to like, again, have a sense of what it is. Well, so this food scientist who, as of 2020, she was still alive. Mm. Her name was, uh, Emerita de Guzman mm. in the Philippines figured out a way to break open the coconut like determined that it was macapuno, mm-hmm. cut out the, just the embryo and raise the embryo like it's called it's called embryo rescue. And they ra- she raised the embryos on their on their own, so she was able to take ones that were double recessive and grow them as plants. And she was able to get the yield of macapuno nuts from like seven percent up to like. 80%. And so, like, all of a sudden it became viable to grow the Macapuna co- uh, coconuts. That's amazing. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Thank cool, you. right? Cool yeah. story. No, it's really cool. Um, science right there. Oh, my God. Science. That's what this one we're here for. Science. Wow. Uh, all right. So, let's talk about this cookie before we run out of time. Yes. I, it's a, so, so what, what cookie did you bring? Um, I brought the adobo chocolate chip cookies um, that were featured recently in the New York Times. Oh, nice. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's been great to, like, see this the reception of this cookie. It's a like, nice example, again, of sweet, salty umami. Um, I use soy sauce in there instead of salt in the dough. And then I also use bay leaf to brown the butter. Um, we got two minutes. Oh, bay leaf in the butter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so, like, there's pink peppercorn on top. So if you have a cashew allergy, maybe stay away. But it's a great mix of a little bit of hint of spice and floral. So this is like, so you're saying, like, this is the kind of sine qua non of your fusion of savory with, with uh, sweet? Yeah. Right, huh? Oh, nice. Yeah, yummy. You eat in discussion. I'm going to have to ask more questions. We're going to run out of time. <laughs> okay. Saba banana, Saba banana, can't get it here. Maduro plantains, a direct swap, it's good. Mm-hmm, it's good. All right, mm-hmm. so that that was a good hack. I like that. You're like, just use the plantains. I swapped out for plantains, and you yeah, said, to, you, you mm-hmm. said, uh, what was it? You, you said, your, whose recipe was that? Was that your mom's or your aunt's or something like that? That oh, recipe. 
There's like one that's like mommy's uh ginatang biobilo and yeah. we use that for sure. <laughs> and and she was cool with it? She's cool with it. A plus from her. <laughs> yeah. Uh what about this? Uh I, I'm not gonna make it because I don't like melons, but what about the the uh the chicharron crum- um, crumbly chicharron topic? I like melon. a I like a sweet uh a sweet uh, pork rind situation. So I think I was really inspired by prosciutto and like melon rind and I wanted something that had the same flavor profile and like that's a crumble to me, I guess. <laughs> Alright, okay, well we're gonna run out of time. Oh. Talk talk to me quickly about uh, roast rice coffee. Roast rice coffee. So in the Philippines, back you don't like regular coffee, though. I am a hater. I don't love coffee, <laughs> and so like uh, roast rice has no caffeine, and also has like the dark, dark uh, notes of like a roasted coffee. But I use it in tiramisu, so it's a great swap. And you show how to make it yourself. You just toast it and then grind it. And mm-hmm. is it good to drink? Well, uh, you can drink it. I mean, it's more so just like it, it. It's just like a roasted flat kind of flavor, but it's good for a tiramisu. All right, talk to me about uh, Frito Crunch and corn milk pudding. Ooh, okay, that's the malted milk Maja Blanca, and so I love the su- sweet and salty again of the Fritos. So I put a toffee um, with that on top of the malted milk corn and uh, coconut milk pudding, and it's like my mom's recipe, but I tweaked it again. <laughs> All right. Well, all right. But we run out of time. I could ask you more because I want to talk to you about your carrot fritters and whether there's a problem with them. Because there's no binder, just cornstarch, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Do they hold together really well? They hold together, but you have to kind of like tamp it down and like make sure to use some pressure to keep it together. All right. And, you know, I was going to talk to you for a long time about pork floss because I love Aww. it so much. And I was going to ask you about this water buffalo milk. Can you get that in the U.S.? You can get it in Queens. Is it good? It's pretty good. Worth it's worth searching for? Worth it. Maria's Bulacan Sweets. I'll shout them out because I've tried them before. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. And uh, um, since you said it was good, uh, the uh, the pastries we got today, uh, other than the one you baked for us, mm-hmm. thank you so much, were from Johnny's Air Mart in, on Avenue A. Yes. Or Johnny Air Mart in, uh, on Avenue A. Anyway, uh, Abby, thank you so much for coming on. Coming on uh, anytime. And the book is Mayumu, Filipino-American Desserts Remixed, Cooking Issues. Thank you.